Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and we have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Joe Reynoso. Joe is a sustainable growth advisor with 12 years of integrated experience designing, activating, measuring, and optimizing go-to-market strategies for early and mid-stage tech companies. He is the founder and CEO of Tierra Nueva Interactive, a B2B demand generation strategy firm focused on helping SaaS founders and their teams to reduce rate waste, increase pipe, and accelerate sales velocity in a more customer-centric way. Joe, welcome to Revenue Rehab. Your session begins now. Thank you, Brandy. That was an awesome introduction. It's so nice to be here with you. I am excited to have you. And yes, I know every time I read my guests' uh, intros, I'm like always so impressed with the people that I get a chance to talk to. Um, and we're going to jump into and talk to a lot about what you do with companies at Tierra Nueva. Um, but before we do that, I like to break the ice with a little woo-saw moment that I call buzzword banishment. Sure. So tell me, Joe, what buzzword would you like to banish forever? You know, Brandy, there's there's about 15 years uh, behind the scenes of hearing so many buzzwords over the years, but I, I think as a, as a marketer uh, that's been doing this uh, at a high level for quite a while, I would say the buzzword that I would like to banish today is platform. Interesting. That is not one that I hear often. So tell me, why would you like to banish platform? Yeah. So uh, as a full stack marketer, um, I've partnered with many organizations that have grown, you know, organically, also uh, spend a, quite a bit of money on technology in order to accelerate that growth. And everyone's looking for the technology that's going to best enable their go-to-market strategy. Uh, and oftentimes, during the execution of that go-to-market strategy, we find when we go into these companies that a lot of their tech is underutilized. Uh, organizations are looking for uh, platforms in order to accelerate growth, uh, but they utilize them like point solutions where maybe uh, just a few of those uh, important uh, features are being utilized. Uh, and we essentially go in and help them rethink uh, how that technology is best suited to enable their strategy. And maybe if there's something that uh, can help accelerate that growth that's less costly, we kind of guide them in that direction as well. Gotcha. So platform, okay. let's banish platform. I, I'm with you there. Now that you've given me the explanation, um, it, it sounds like what we do is somewhat similar. And I see the same thing, whereas, you know, 
wanting to get these platform solutions is kind of the in thing. Uh, and then they get them and it's like, do this one thing, or there's like other technologies that do the same thing as what's a part of the platform technology. And it's like, what's the point of a platform if you buy all these other things also? Right. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the the platforms tend to, to market themselves as a one size fits all, like do everything in here. And it's, they usually do one thing really well and everything else kind of mediocre. Um, right. So I, I'm with you. We can take platform, put it in the box, put it on shelf, toss it out. Uh, we will not use the term platform, at least for this discussion. Uh, so now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab today? Sure. Thank you. So I am um, acquainted with... Uh, uh, member of your organization at Tergatus, uh, Roly. Um, he's an awesome leader. Uh, introduced myself to him through the Pavilion Network. Um, and just organically, uh, this introduction was made. Uh, so I'm, I'm here to help uh, other early stage founders just avoid some of the common mistakes that uh, are so often made when they're, they're trying to accelerate growth. Uh, so I'm hoping we, maybe we could chat about that today. Awesome. And I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus. It gives us purpose. And most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should take away from our discussion today. So what is your best intention for our discussion? Always listen to your customer. They're generally right all the time. I love that. Um, and it, it's a great, um, you know, like voice of customer, customer journey, the customer experience, whenever we put the customer at the center of things, that's when we tend to get it right. Um, so I love that to always listen to your customer. Um, so we are generally our audience is going to be heads of marketing uh, at varying size businesses. So if you're listening today uh, and you are the head of marketing for an early stage SaaS tech company startup, uh, this discussion is particularly for you. Um, and so, Joe, I want to start by asking, what do you see as the biggest challenge right now with those that are trying to lead marketing to drive a growth strategy in these early stage startups? Certainly, Brandy. Um, I think if I had to summarize it, one, uh, one challenge that I see repeat itself uh, over and over again in my career uh, has been what I like to call the slow effect of moving too fast. Right? And so you have uh, multiple functions within uh, the go-to-market strategy, hopefully all working uh, in unison to enable uh, the education, the awareness, the consideration that's required to help your buyers buy what you're selling. Um, and so when you go into these organizations as a, as a unbiased third-party sort of uh, consultant uh, you know, role and you enmesh, integrate into these teams, uh, you start to see that there are lots of uh, activities that are going on. And all these activities are intended to be measured uh, and they're intended to be tracked. Um, and, you know, they might be focusing on 
maybe last touch attribution, or maybe there's a multi-touch element there uh, to their measurement. And it's all focused on building out uh, what we call opportunity management uh, process, which is essentially how your buyers uh, go through the various stages of your, uh, of your sales process. And so in doing that, uh, organizations will implement so many different tactics in order to enable that strategy. Um, you might have lead gen, you might have uh, a very, um, uh, you know, real and tangible brand play uh, that, that is causing uh, your audience to uh, become aware of your solution, to become more, um, develop more of an affinity for your product or services. Um, you, might, uh, you might also be uh, funneling those prospects uh, once they convert on your forms into maybe an outreach sequence where there's uh, uh, the intention there to book a meeting. Um, and then you've got your, uh, your SDR, your AE teams uh, doing that uh, outreach in order to enable that uh, initial discovery conversation. And so through that process, there's quite a bit of friction that is generated um, on the buy side, right? Uh, buyers want to consume information in the feed uh, in areas where they're likely to uh, learn more about uh, what they're potentially looking to acquire. Um, and then, you know, the, the conversation that happens in the feed, um, generally in, in social networks where I play quite a bit, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a transactional conversation. Um, when you're when you're building brand, when you're uh, trying to generate demand for your products or services, it's definitely more about uh, what is it that I want to learn, right? And then if there's something that I want to learn more about, I'm going to engage with that. And I think most buyers, most customers uh, believe that to be true. Um, it's not a transactional uh, uh, channel, right? So social... Uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, buzz terms like dark funnel, right? Or dark I'm pretty social, sure that right? one's been banished before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one's been banished, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I think that one may have gotten banished twice. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a modicum of truth there, right? Like there, there are areas in, within these social networks where engagement is happening, conversations are free-flowing, um, recommendations are being made, uh, and those uh, those engagements are really hard to track, right? So there's some truth in uh, calling it a uh, dark social, right, uh, or or referring to something as a dark funnel. But what what is true um, in my experience is that buyers don't want to don't want a transactional experience there. They they don't want to buy while they're trying to have a friendly conversation to learn more. Um, if they want to buy, uh, they will then take that information that you've shared with them and go visit your website and convert on your contact us form. Uh, they'll go check out your pricing page. Um, they'll do their due diligence in private communities, ask a network of their peers, learn more about uh, you know, a first person account from a first person, uh, someone that they trust whether uh, that was a product or solution that served them well. Um, and then at that point, 
they'll come to you with 95% of the information necessary to make an informed and educated decision. Um, and then the sales team's job at that point is just to help them buy what it is that they are uh, looking to, to buy. So, so uh, when I say the slow effects of moving fast as being a challenge, I mean that if we focus on the customer and we use the technology and the strategy uh, that we intend to employ to reach them in a more conversational way, in a more uh, just genuine way, instead of trying to uh, you know, focus on the conversion, then the results generally come. Okay. And so I think within that, you hit on a couple things that I want to dig further into. So you talked about activity and that there's a lot of activity that happens on the marketing and the sales side. And if we think about it, you know, early, at least early in my career, so 20-ish years ago, like activity was everything. That, that was what we could measure was how much were we doing. And so there's the activity piece. And then there is the, the friction that you talk about on the buy side where you do have organizations that you know, are treating some of these sales as transactional, which again, I think is a very old school mindset. Um, and one of the things that I know that um, you feel passionately about is what the modern marketing playbook looks like. So not doing things the way that we used to do it way back when. Um, and I think, you know, most, uh, most of our listeners are going to, you know, not be living in the dark ages and still measuring on activity. Um, but one thing that I do see, especially in early stage tech startups, is a lot of times we have a lot of first time leaders. Um, so really strong marketers who have been more of an independent contributor in other organizations and are able to cut their teeth as the head of marketing in an early stage tech startup. And so in some cases like that leading and being able to drive for their teams, and in some cases they are a team of one, uh, you know, what that modern marketing playbook really should look like and how they do what you said, which is put the customer first and make sure that we're removing that friction and leading them to the sale um, so that, you know, they are, are, are raising their hand essentially what does that look like? What advice, you know, if I'm a, a first time head of marketing at an early stage startup, what does the modern marketing playbook look like for me? Yeah, that's a great question, Brandy. Uh, so I think to start, like when you think about modern marketing, it's, it's not so much about individual programs that you're looking to execute. Uh, it's more about forging relationships at scale, right? Uh, a marketer's job is to help their uh, prospective buyer answer the question, why should I, right? Why should I? Um, especially if you're uh, operating in a category uh, or a vertical that is uh, very competitive, uh, very busy, very noisy. Um, if you're a marketer, uh, uh, marketing leader working in an organization that uh, that is part of a category that is very busy. Um, I would say that obviously your team's job is to help uh, that prospective buyer understand 
what makes your solution different, uh, what makes your solution aligned with their reality, uh, with their point of view, uh, and ultimately uh, how you can help them solve uh, their pain uh, in a much more elegant uh, and less stressful way, right? Um, our job as marketers is to uh, alleviate uh, pain, right? Uh, and, and we do that by giving people what they want. Uh, so, so I would say, you know, uh, the modern marketer is more of a philosopher poet uh, than they are a uh, person that's just activating uh, paid media in order to convert uh, a lead into your pipe, right? Um, so, so that's one. And then I, I would say uh, the next step is just taking taking a moment to understand that your your job as a marketer is also to generate appeal, right? Generate affinity. Um, do it in a way that the message is delivered with clarity. Uh, and, and if you're doing that successfully over an extended period of time, uh, you will ultimately generate uh, the awareness. You'll generate the, uh, the understanding that your customer needs in order to take the next step, make that next micro yes, uh, in order to ultimately have a series of micro yeses that result in, uh, in, in the desired outcome, which is a, a new customer. Okay, so in thinking about relationship at scale, what I'm hearing is your playbook has to be focused on those micro yeses. So, you know, whether it's, you know, a series of initiatives, like, or, you know, multiple programs, one program, like it's, it to me, what I'm hearing is it's almost a bit of a mindset shift in not thinking about the programs that you're running and thinking more about, um, you know, some people call them moments of truth. You call them micro yeses. Uh, you know, there's different uh, uh, buzzwords for those uh, same things, but really just focus on supporting those. You know, you talked about why should I, how do I answer my problems? Like all of those micro yeses moving them forward. And so it, it sounds like the playbook is less about the tactics and more about the mentality. Am I sure. interpreting what you're saying correctly? Yeah, a hundred percent, Brandy. That's spot on. Um, and I, I think ultimately, if you if you change the mindset, right? You then that's the first step, right? Changing the mindset. Uh, then you you're able to take the next step in that evolution. Uh, of modern marketing, which is changing the measurement, right? So if you change the mindset, you can then uh, all come to a consensus within that go-to-market team of how you're going to measure that go-to-market strategy. Uh, and then once you change the measurement, uh, then you can change the behavior and the types of tactics that you employ uh, generally flow from there. Okay, I love that. We're gonna change the mindset, change the measurement, change the behavior. Um, I want to jump back to something that you said earlier because I found it really, really interesting because you said the modern marketer is more of a philosopher or, or, and poet, um, <laughs> which is really interesting and very different than what you will hear most people say. Um, mm -hmm. Because if you think about old school marketing, 
we were known as the arts and crafts department. Um, you know, it, it was a lot more about that creativity, you know, the psychology of colors and all those different things. And a lot of people view modern marketing as where you are bringing in more of the data and science into marketing because of the technology, which, you know, naturally leads to all of the automations and data analytics and all of these mm -hmm. things. So the fact that you feel like modern marketing is more of the philosopher poet, I'd love you to explain more of that perspective because it is really different than how most people think about marketing and, and the role right now. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's that's a great consideration. And I'll I'll double click on that for sure. Uh, so I I like to view modern marketing as a marriage of uh, heuristic analysis uh, and also uh, influencing uh, consumer outcomes uh, that help the buyer feel as though they came to the decision on their own, right? And that means being a helpful guide. That means being, uh, you know, Virgil, right? Walking, uh, walking Dante through the inferno of challenges that they may be experiencing. Uh, that might be, um, you know, being a helpful friend, right? Um, and uh, oftentimes, I think what's missing in marketing today is uh, a sense of authenticity, um, a sense of genuinely looking out for uh, your, your customer's best interests. Um, and oftentimes, these GTM functions uh, at early stage startups can be over-architected. Um, and so we, we, we want to reduce the complexity uh, you know, Tira Nueva, what we focus on is simplifying the go-to-market strategy uh, so that we can generate a, a more effective lift, but do it um, in a way that's scalable and, a w and in a way that's more authentic uh, for their buyers. So, you know, so I would say, you know, yes, it, it is, a, it is a necessary to focus on data and technology and integrating uh, these various pieces of technology together in order to get the measurement right. Um, but, and, and also not to sacrifice the data model, right? Don't sacrifice the data model because ultimately uh, you have to report back on what's working and what's not. Um, and we can get into a whole other, uh, you know, open up a whole can of beans around that topic, Brandy. Uh, but, but ultimately consumer behavior is, uh, is also qualitative, right? And uh, the the leading indicators that you want to evaluate um, are not going to pop up on uh, the back end of an analytics dashboard all the time. Um, sometimes those leading indicators have to do with positive sentiment. They have to do with uh, whether your your consumers are. Uh, your ideal customer is uh, in market at this time, right? If they're not, right, how long are they in uh, their current engagement? Uh, why are they in those engagements? Uh, what makes them feel more comfortable uh, using this other solution as opposed to yours? Uh, 
Um, and understanding that is really how you develop the message and the positioning in order to better attract them. Uh, so, you know, a lot of teams need to do their homework. Okay. Yeah. And I just was kind of thinking about the concept of a poet and how poetry is put together. Like you think about there's a cadence and a rhythm of the poem. <laughs> there is a lot of imagery, you know, in some cases, poetry is not using direct language. It is using more emotional language and just, you know, I'm definitely not someone who's totally into poetry, but just thinking about what I do know, there are some parallels there to the customer experience and how we really think about that. So you have given me a new way to, to really think about how we craft these journeys, because as both a strategist and technologist, I do think of it more scientifically, mm -hmm. um, naturally, as opposed to poetically. Um, sure. and, and so, yeah, that, that is really interesting. Um, and and I, I, think I think on that, uh, on that train of thought as well, like it, that was put so beautifully, exactly right. It's, uh, it's function and form, right? So, you know, if you're comprising a, sol a sonnet, okay, you have, you know, five feet, right? Uh, you know, uh, two meters within each feet, right? Uh, you're, you know, you're ending that sonnet with a rhyming couplet it's memorable, right? It's, it's the uh, form and the structure of that, uh, that piece that uh, catches the imagination that helps someone uh, develop an affinity uh, for whatever message you're conveying. Um, and then long after they've consumed that message, um, are they going to recall it when they arrive at a moment of need, right? And so there, there is lots of poetry in, you know, establishing whether you've developed product market fit, whether you are uh, developing the right ad variations to, uh, you know, to, to generate awareness in, in these uh, social platforms, whether you're, um, you know, controlling the geography of the page uh, in order to uh, uh, guide uh, the geology of the mind, right? And so, like, it's there's so much art in that science as well, um, you know, and, and there's beauty in it as well. Yeah, I'm totally sitting here wishing I had paid more attention in English Lit when we covered poetry, because <laughs> when I was in college, that was not my jam, uh, and it was one of those, I paid just enough attention to pass, but it was kind of like, blah, 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 let's move on. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now I'm like, hmm, there really was something to that. Um but yeah, I always love like, you know, I think I learn just as much from my guests as my audience does. And this really is a different way to frame the thinking around how we approach driving that customer experience in general. Um, and talking about our challenges is just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. So in traditional therapy, the therapist gives the client some homework, 
But here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. And so I am one that I love, you know, a lot of times you listen to podcasts or you, you know, attend events and you get all jazzed about what you need to do, but then you don't quite know how to actually apply it. And so I like to give our listeners one thing. Um, so some action item that they can do relatively immediately, uh, especially if they're an early stage tech startup in moving in the right direction to really having a modern marketing playbook that will help them to accelerate their GTM strategy. So Joe, I'd like to ask, what is your one thing for us today? Yeah, that's great, Brandy. I would say opportunities are greater than MQLs, right? get the data model right, right? Make sure that your lead and contact statuses are synced with your life cycle stages and make sure that your sales and marketing team uh, are developing feedback loops uh, that inform one another uh, on what the customer wants, right? And what the customer is telling them. it's so important. It's so important. You can, you can go fast and you can implement your paid social strategy. You can implement your paid search strategy. You can do some retargeting on ad roll. You can, you know, build out your nurture sequences. You can do all of these wonderful uh, tactics. Uh, But if your data model isn't right, you're going to be spinning yourself in circles. Uh, so I would encourage all early stage founders to make sure that you place your marketing automation platform at the center of your go-to-market strategy and ensure that your customer journey is aligned with the data capture uh, that, that you have in place in your CRM and your marketing automation platform. Uh, get that sync behavior working correctly. And if you're looking for help, uh, our team at Tierra Nueva Interactive would be happy to sit down just audit, uh, guide you, and share with you what uh, what's working well for our customers. Awesome. I definitely can give an amen to putting the marketing automation at the center of things. Uh, that is uh, definitely one of my strong beliefs. And for everyone listening, uh, Joe has given us a hard one thing in getting and taking the time to really get that data model right and um, making sure that there's a good feedback loop between sales and marketing. Well, Joe, I have enjoyed our discussion, but that's our time for today. But before we go, how can our audience connect with you? Absolutely, Brandy. And I really enjoyed the conversation with you as well. Uh, Really great to be here. Um, So uh, the team can obviously, uh, anyone listening, all of your viewers can find me on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, So Joe Reynoso on LinkedIn. You can also visit us at www.tierranuevainteractive.com. And then uh, in the near future, uh, you should probably be seeing some some content uh, being retargeted to you whenever you visit YouTube. So, uh, So, you know, just shameless plug there. If you visit my website, plan to be retargeted. Awesome. Yeah. As you say, it's funny, you know, as a marketer, you would think that I was like immune to all the marketing that happens, but 
I like just like every other customer like are like, oh yeah, I did go to that. Let me go back. So it does work. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. We will make sure to link to Joe in the show notes. Um, and for anyone who is listening after you finish this episode, I encourage you to check out episode 26, where I talked to Dwayne Dufault. And we also talked about growth and how you can continue to accelerate growth. So it's a great next step. If you haven't already listened to episode 26, jump back to that one. Thank you, Joe, so much for joining me today. And thanks everyone for joining us. I hope that you have enjoyed my conversation with Joe. I can't believe we're already at the end. See you next time. Take care. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at revenuerehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.